Welcome to the men's global live stream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in Matthew 16 and the other in Ephesians 2. Now, we are in part four of our series called Fully Defined, and the theme is simple. All of us have defining moments. You know, those moments that fundamentally change the arc of your life, take it in a new major uh, direction. And what we're saying is that all of us have those. You know, it might be meeting someone that changes the arc of your life, getting engaged, graduating from college, getting your first job, leaving a job. Those are kind of positive developments. It can be negative too. You can lose somebody in your life. You can experience trauma, right? You can, you might be forced to move. Your family might break apart. So um, these are defining moments which uh, dramatically impact how we view ourselves, our purpose, our future. Uh, they're big, but the Bible says that there's no bigger defining moment for any man other than when he decides to cross the line and to begin and eternally continue a relationship with God himself through the person of Jesus Christ. And the reason why that is the biggest defining moment and should fully define us is because it changes our identity. How, how, I, how I believe, how I behave, it, it changes our energy, where we put it, our filter for decision-making, which ultimately changes our expression in every dimension, in every space, in every place. And we're learning that that is exactly God's intention. Your relationship with God, from God's perspective, is designed and intended to fully define you. And so in part one, we learned a little bit about God's intention to make us like Christ and that being like Christ fully defines us. And in this series, we've been seeing how life with God and life in God is intimately linked to the experiences of the Son of God. You say, Kenny, what do you mean? Well, Jesus lived a life on earth that we're called to imitate. He died a death. He died for sin. We die to sin. He came alive again on earth for God's purposes. We come alive to God's purposes on earth. He is now seated at the right hand of majesty with God. We also, the Bible teaches, are seated with him. And that's what we're going to look at today. And he's coming again in glory. And Jesus glorified is glorifying and will glorify God. Those are all intended to fully define our spiritual process and fully define our spiritual experiences. So now in part four, what we want to do is we want to look at that, that one aspect of Jesus's literal existence and how that fully defines us. And that is that, that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And when you talk about seating, uh, in the Bible, you have to talk about authority because seating and authority are intimately linked. So here's the progression of how our study is going to go. And I hope that you have the downloaded notes because then you can follow right along and do the fill-ins and see the scriptures all right there. First, we have to see how Jesus viewed his authority as a basis for understanding seating and then how he wanted his followers to view their authority. Second, we're gonna see what the Bible says about being seated with Christ. Third, we're gonna apply 
how being seated with Christ presently impacts our daily spiritual life. But first thing we want to do is we want to watch Jesus. We want to see how he spoke about and how he lived out his heavenly identity and his heavenly position here on earth. Because what we'll find out is that heaven's agenda is the prevailing matter. We see in John chapter 10 at the top of your notes, verse 17, Jesus saying this, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So you see Jesus living out his heavenly identity, listen, and his heavenly position on earth. Who talks like that, right? What is he saying? He's like, you're not in charge. Man is not in charge, even though it may appear that man is in charge. Man's not in charge. I'm in charge. I am voluntarily laying down my life because I have a command from the Father to do that. And so God's agenda is primary for man, and that is unfolding, not man's agenda for me. I'm going to say that again. God's agenda for man is unfolding, not man's agenda for me. This is Jesus, and Jesus is in us, and we're going to learn that this is going to be us. He started communicating that to the disciples, especially as um, he was standing in the shadow of the cross. And we read about that in Matthew 28. And just remember these themes of seating and authority, heavenly identity, heavenly position, right? It says this in Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so we see in this passage, uh, Jesus talking about how authority in heaven and authority on earth has been granted to him, and that is the basis for him then saying, all right, go and advance heaven's agenda. So we want to make three simple, but three very profound observations about spiritual authority based on Jesus living out his heavenly identity and position and on this commissioning statement to the disciples. And the first thing we want to observe is that Jesus exercised spiritual authority. You see in that passage about um, he has authority to lay down his life. He has authority to take, take it up again. And that's the command he received from the Father. All right? So Jesus on earth exercised spiritual authority. Just make that simple observation. Second observation is Jesus delegated his spiritual authority to the disciples. All right? that's, a, that's an easy one. All authority is mine. You're connected to me. Now go in my authority to make disciples of all the nations, advance heaven's agenda, equip the saints, and I'm gonna be with you the whole time. So you see that 
Jesus not only exercised spiritual authority, but he delegated spiritual authority. And then third, we see from the Great Commission that we just read in Matthew 28, Jesus expects us to use our spiritual authority. Write that down. So it's, it's, it's an easy connection to make, although it's a harder connection to fully define ourselves by and understand, but maybe this will help. So this is Jesus. He's exercising his spiritual authority. Jesus is in us, right? And if Jesus is in us, that means he's delegating his spiritual authority to us. And, and this is us. We're actually expected to use our spiritual authority because he's in us. Here on earth, we're going to use our authority from heaven. So just make that connection. Jesus kind of sealed this concept in Matthew 16 when he was talking to his guys about these, these things related to spiritual authority. Listen to what he says. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So there's that heaven and earth direct connection of energy and activity and authority, and it's happening in parallel time right? There's heaven's agenda. There's what's happening on earth and heaven's agenda is being executed on earth. And there's a di direct line for the believer of power and authority from above, right? For use of the, by the believer on earth. So there's the foundation. There's heaven, there's earth, there's position in heaven, and there's practice of that position here on earth, both by Jesus and by the disciples who are commissioned uh, to do that. And so now we need to look at, you know, how our seating with Christ gives us access and authority to use on earth. And so just to kind of set this up, we have to follow the journey of Jesus, right? He lived a life, he died a death, he came alive again on earth, and now he is presently seated at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, after he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. So if you're unfamiliar with biblical images, terms, when you're at the right hand, you are in the position of power, you are in the position of authority. So um, thrones, seating, positions, power, authority. I think you you get the picture, right? And um, it talks about how this experience of seating is our spiritual process and reality because we are fully identified with Christ. We're baptized into his life, the Bible says. We are fully immersed in his life, his life on earth, his crucifixion, his resurrection, his seeding. Talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. It says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, listen, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It is just, 
a miracle that God, who is in his position, humbled himself and came and joined us. And then for those who would believe in the person and work of Christ, that God would fully identify us with Jesus in these ways that we've been talking about in this series, fully defined. And so when it comes to Jesus's actual experiences on earth, and now his seating in heaven, these become our spiritual process that we have to work out. But I want us to make a few observations here. So write these down. Presently, in Christ, we have a new position in heaven. So the Bible says in that passage, God raised us up and seated us with him. So Jesus lived a life, he died a death, he came alive again on earth, and then the disciples watch him ascend into heaven, and now he's seated, he's completed his work on earth, now he's seated in a position of power. And the Bible says that we now, presently, spiritually, in the heavenly realms, are also co-seated. We're co-crucified, we're co-resurrected, we're co-seated. So we actually, because we're fully identified with Christ, we're seated with him in that position right now. Secondly, and presently, we have a new arena of existence. It says that we're seated with him um, in the heavenly realms. Okay, there's a, it's a supernatural realm. It's not a realm that you see, it's the unseen realm of the supernatural. It's the unseen realm and agenda of the kingdom of God. And it's the unseen realm of those forces aligned against the kingdom of God, God himself, and God's agenda. So we have a new arena of existence, right? The unseen spiritual reality of supernatural forces, supernatural agendas, right? The kingdom of God, all right? Third, presently in Christ, we have new rights in the kingdom of God, in Christ. So because we're fully identified with Christ and because Christ is seated in a position of power and authority, and because we are now included with him in that seating in that arena of existence right now, again, there's the heaven to earth connection. There's heavenly realms that are operating right alongside the earthly realm in space and time. Um, we have new rights that we have now acquired because of our full identification in Christ. And we are in a process spiritually of learning what those are, possessing them, and exercising those rights. And so the new position, the new arena, the new right, the Bible says to fight the spiritual battle. It talks about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So this new right to the kingdom, the new rights that we have, is one of the major rights is that we have the right to fight the spiritual powers that are against the kingdom of God 
here on earth, right? And all of that happens. The, the new position, new arena of existence, the new right that we have in the kingdom, that all happens because we're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms right now. It's not a then and there thing. It's a here and now thing. Otherwise, you wouldn't have Paul talk about spiritual warfare in the life of the believer and our capacity and ability to demolish strongholds that are raised up against the knowledge of God here on earth. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Now, the question is, is how do we work it out? And to get us thinking in the right direction, I want you to think about um, how, of your favorite sports team. Okay, it could be football, baseball, hockey, or just, you know, your favorite music band or whatever. Okay, and they're playing at, uh, at a big stadium or a big arena. And that big stadium or arena has the skyboxes, right? Everybody know what the skyboxes are? Those beautiful places. <laughs> if you've ever had the chance to go into one, I've, I've, had, I've been in one a couple of times. And man, here's the deal. It's better seats, better benefits, better experience, right? And um, when you get to the better seat, right? Better seat, better benefits, better experience, right? And, and that's kind of how I want you to think about this seating with Christ. If, if you have been given a seat with Christ in the heavenly realms, and you're not accessing it and enjoying it, and you have the best seat in the house, and there's benefits to being there, man, only a fool would say no to skybox seats. Only a foolish believer would say no or not take advantage of their seating in Christ. Why? Because the, the, the better the experience is, the bigger the spiritual wins in your life. And that's how we have to think about our seating in Christ. So what does being seated with Christ mean for my day-to-day -day life with God and in God? Number one, this means that I have a new focus and mindset. I mean, just imagine somebody giving you, you know, those skybox tickets. That kind of changes the way you're going to look at this experience, right, that you're about to have. And that's what the Bible says. It, it, it changes you. If you understand this, it changes your focus and your mindset. It says this in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Since then, all right, so since then, this has happened, you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So you see this, like, hey, this has happened. This is you. These are yours. This access is now yours. So now your energy is on heaven's agenda first. Your filter for decision-making is rooted on heaven's agenda first. Why? Because you, you're, Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and you, your life, the Bible says, is now hidden with Christ in God. Well, where is he? He's, he's seated in a position of access and power and authority. So we're partners 
in this. Now we're citizens of heaven and we're seated with Christ and now it's all about heaven's agenda. So when you are seated with Christ and fully defined by him, what it means day to day is that your focus is eternal. Your mindset is eternal. You're seated in the heavenly realms, great. We're concerned with heavenly purposes. Secondly, this means that I have all the privileges of a son of God. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians 2. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. And listen, and also members of his household. Okay, so dads, you know how this works. Your kid shows up at work. Maybe someone notifies you. Do they have freedom of access to you if your kid shows up at work? Of course they do. That's kind of the picture of what the Bible is saying. It's just like, okay, through Christ, he's our ticket in to the Father, right? We have access to the Father by one spirit. So we have freedom of access. We have freedom to exercise authority. We have freedom to ask, right? And advance the kingdom of God in our personal lives and in the lives of others that we meet. So what does seating mean practically, right? It means my focus is heavenly. It means that I have some privileges that I gotta figure out that I do have and I need to access those privileges. Third, this means I practice the life of heaven here on earth. And this is that, this is how we're fully defined by Jesus. Jesus practiced the life of heaven in heaven, but he practiced the life of heaven here on earth. Why? Because he's a citizen. He's the, he's the son of God. He's God, right? Now we're citizens of heaven. We practice the life of heaven here on earth. Talks about that in Hebrews 4. It says, now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest, with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take mercy, accept the help. So you see that there is this, this emphasis on access and practicing the life of heaven here on earth. So we can go to God. We're, we're walking on earth, but we have a connection to the Most High God. And we can connect with the Most High God, and we can bring heaven down to earth. That's why the Lord said, when you pray, pray along with us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A lot of light bulbs are going off right now, okay? So we practice the life of heaven here on earth. The fourth thing that this means is it means that we call on God in all things. And why wouldn't you, right? That's why Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's how we're supposed to pray. And a man with full access to God, listen, is constantly praying to God. Again, why wouldn't you, right? And there's a personal aspect to that, and then there's a other-centered aspect to that. Let's look at the personal aspect of that. Philippians chapter four it says this, don't fret or worry 
Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. This is the most stabilizing aspect of having seating access and authority with Christ right now is that we can call on God and we can displace worry and concerns happening on the insides and we can bring God into that and we can push those things to him because his shoulders are bigger and his capacity is way better. And then what happens is, is that God, who's bigger than all those things that concern us and creates so much anxiety, he exchanges our panic and our worry for peace. Why? Because he's got it. But you don't get that peace unless you're calling on God in the concerns for your life. Now, Satan's goal is just to mute or limit or distract you from talking to God. Don't let him do it. That's why on the global live stream, we're always saying, man, get your nose in this book first thing of the day. Start your day with God. Talk to God. Call down heaven. Displace your concerns and worries. Put it into God's pile. And that peace from knowing that it's in God's pile and God's at work on it, and he's going to give us an answer, might be a no, might be a yes, might be a not yet, but we're going to trust his answer because he's good and he knows what's best for us. Man, that is just like, okay, God's got a plan and I'm part of it. And when I pray, I participate in that plan and the result is peace. So that's the personal aspect of being seated with God is that we have access and we can talk directly to God about the personal things in our lives and we can ask for his kingdom to come, we can ask for his will to be done, and as a result, we experience peace. But there's also this other, this other centered aspect and outbound aspect and influence aspect of being seated with Christ. And we read about it in James 5, 13 to 15. It says this, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So a person with full access to God is certainly praying all the time to God about personal stuff. But a person with full access to God is also for praying is also praying all the time for those they personally encounter, to bless them, to protect them. It starts in your first circle, men, for your wives and for your kids and in your family, in your neighborhood, where you work, where you live, where you pray, where you play. You can bring the kingdom of God into every space and dimension that your feet take you in. And that is God's intention, right? God wants you to do that. Remember, Jesus said, go. All authority in heaven has been given to me, so go, right? You're fully identified with Christ, co-crucified, co-resurrected, co-seated, right? Which means what? I have access, the access to heaven to work out here on earth, and I practice that access, okay? So this is, this is huge. This will change your life if you really understand this. And you begin to practice 
um, the access and authority that you have by being seated with Christ. We're fully identified with him. His, his literal and physical existence, both here on earth and now in heaven, is our spiritual process to work out, all right? So in the downloaded notes, you have some questions that you'll want to go through uh, and preferably do it uh, with a group. What I want to do right now is I just want to, I want to sink this truth into your spirit, again, because we have access through prayer. So let's use our access right now, okay? We've got a ticket for the skybox. Better the seat, better the experience, bigger the win, right? So now we're going to punch our ticket. We're going to go to God. Why? Because we have we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. So let's go to the heavenly realms right now. Father in heaven, we come to you because of Jesus. The blood of Christ was shed for us. The blood of Christ covers us. Your word tells us that we have direct access to you, Lord. And we thank you that not only do we have access to you through Christ, but you want us to have intimate access. Jesus, thank you for showing us how to live the life of heaven out here on earth. God, remind us of our heavenly identity and our heavenly position that like you, because you live in us, we're gonna live out here on earth. Jesus, thank you for our new position in you. Thank you for this new participation that you have welcomed us into called the kingdom of God. And thank you for these practical ways that come from our being seated with you. So, so Jesus, we're just, we've got a plain and simple request. Help to practice our access. Help us to practice our seating with you. Let it define our energy, our focus, how we live, and where we live and where we work. Let, us, let it be an influence that we can practice our seating with you and the authority that you delegated to us by calling down heaven into the spaces and places we find ourselves here on earth, in the relationships that we find ourselves in here on earth, in every situation we find ourselves in here on earth. Why? Because you've seated us with Christ in the heavenlies. That is a miracle. We thank you for it, and we ask that your fullest intention for that seeding of us with Jesus be worked out in our lives in the days to come until we meet you face to face. In Christ's name we pray, and God's men said, amen. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.